0: My name is Adele, I am an amateur aerialist, lover of D&D, and avid gamer.
1: And my name's Eric, I'm the DM, and today we're going to be covering your character in the campaign, Solaris Haystone.
0: Yes. What
1: would you say? Is this a bit of a self-insert character, or are we trying to explore something?
0: Well, it's definitely not self-insert. I am nothing like Solaris. She's very out and in front of people where I am not I'm not very good at being in front of people, being having their eyes on me, and she's very much a performer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think we can all relate to that a little bit. Just the concept of this whole campaign, the old rogue thing. I wasn't actually sure we were gonna go ahead with it because it was a huge like ask for people. Was there anything in particular you thought, oh, old rogues, this is gonna be great? Just
0: when the the concept of what you were telling me about just sounded so incredibly fascinating, like I've never... I've been in a fair few d d games myself, and none of them have really gone down this type of avenue. It's all been grandiose adventures, off to fight big monsters and vampires and must-save-the-world kind of thing. But this is not... that's not that. It's very different, exploring a different avenue of what you can do with D&D, which is really great. Just seeing something different.
1: I mean, you mentioned you played a bit of D&D before. You got a lot of experience with sorcerers in particular?
0: I've never actually played a sorcerer. My main exposure to being a sorcerer is playing Baldur's Gate. Sorcerer is one of the ones that I haven't actually played properly. I'm trying to do classes I've never done before in all of my characters.
1: What would you say is your favorite, Baldur's Gate 1 or 2?
0: 2, definitely 2.
1: Is that just because it's a higher level, you think, or because it's a more interesting story overall?
0: More interesting story, and it's actually, it's more fast-paced, like, Baldur's Gate 1 was a great stepping stone, but they definitely took what was great about Baldur's Gate 1 improved on it and made it better in Baldur's gate 2 like just generally this the map traversal is a lot faster like the characters move a little faster it doesn't take as long to get places which some people are okay with that but when you have this massive area that you want to explore and you want to get to every nook and cranny it's gonna take you a while
1: oh yeah is this kind of exploration a thing with you in general like with video games you're a bit of an explorer
0: I love exploring. Like I have spent so many hours just exploring the lands. Of like playing when I play like, Fallout Four, Skyrim, Breath of the Wild, I'll just go everywhere I possibly can just to see what I can find.
1: <laughs> it's certainly uh, I can point to already a few moments of the campaign where you've kind of tried to find the little nooks and crannies to find certain places. <laughs>
0: I like to find things.
1: Do you think it has any impact in the kind of like race you ended up picking? No. Really? The fly speed didn't interest you at all as an explorer.
0: I love being able to have that kind of verticality. Even if I am not a naturally flying character, I try to get something that makes them fly. <laughs> I've, I've gotten many characters with winged boots because I want them to have that verticality.
1: That's oh, such a good item yeah if it isn't the flight speed what brought you to the void soul genasi then
0: it's just different i'm personally drawn to the genasi as a race it's just the whole concept of them is fascinating i mostly took inspiration from that quote from a a podcast that i really like called welcome to nightvale
1: oh Night Vale. oh I'm, I'm a big fan as well actually i'm not sure we ever talked about it
0: we haven't I did not know you liked fail Excellent. Because it was the mostly void, partially stars.
1: Oh, that is... What a quote.
0: Yeah. I love that quote. I have the shirt. It's one of my favorite quotes from that podcast. <laughs> so I took that concept because void soul, so the void, and then stars, astrology.
1: When we're doing character creation, there was a lot of... I I have a method that I use called the Kindergarten Cop Method, which is a reference from an old Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Who is your daddy and what does he do? Do you think you came to the idea of Soul before or after you started thinking about your genealogy?
0: I think I had kind of settled on the Soul before all of that, because I was was originally going to go monk and then I flipped (laughs) and chose sorcerer.
1: I, I think it was a bold choice because... I mean, you mentioned that you're not super comfortable performing and a high charisma based character like a sorcerer, there is always going to be an inherent push towards interacting with NPCs and monks tend to be a bit more being an aesthetic based sort of thing. They can be quiet in the background a lot more. So I definitely enjoy that you you tried to be as bold as you felt like you could.
0: I do try to at least try and do something that's out of my comfort level a lot of the time. Like, I have played a character before that is absolutely nothing like me, and I actually did have trouble playing that character because it was a always optimistic paladin. Um, and I just, I'm not very good at always being optimistic and always being...
1: Half glass full is a little bit of an unnatural state.
0: I'm more of a realist myself. Like, I just take it as it comes. I'm not very good at being that optimistic, happy, all the time, kind of, yay, kind of person. It was, uh, it was exhausting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we talked about the fact that you picked up Sorcerer, and obviously going with the Storm Sorcerer-based build makes a lot of sense, considering you're a void soul, Janasi. Mm-hmm. What made you decide on Swashbuckler for your rogue subclass?
0: Because there's some really interesting aspects to it. Like, for the... It has fancy footwork, which kind of in turn plays into that performer because you would be performing, so like dancing and movement based. That kind of plays off who she is as a person as well.
1: The acrobatic as it were. Yes. Okay. Well, when we were going through our little kindergarten cop and I was asking you a lot of questions, getting to know the personality, what the fuck did we end up making? My God.
0: Something amazing.
1: I I did not expect it to be what it was. We started off with very distant father and a rather overbearing mother. Mm-hmm. And it kind of flipped on us, didn't it?
0: Oh yeah, it did. Oh, my god.
1: <laughs> Let's just start off with telling you a little bit about your mother in the campaign.
0: Oh uh, uh, yes. You know, Tessa Haystone. She is the the assol genasi who she likes to make gaudy jewelry with expensive materials. So I mean it looks cheap, but it's made from the most expensive stuff you can get. A
1: beautiful contradiction in terms right there.
0: <laughs> yes, but she's no I never said she was good at a craft. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: No. Arguably quite bad.
0: You can get the good shit and make it look trash. <laughs> that just developed organically as we were asking the questions. Cause she was expending all the spending all the money to get the expensive stuff, but wasn't putting any of it into keeping it safe. So it would constantly get stolen, they should be back at square one, and it was just a repeating cycle.
1: Why is dad so frustrated, Mm -hmm. where's all the finances going for the household, father the astrologist, mother the jewelry maker, together making you, and then the marital stuff starts to go wrong.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Most relationships this unstable, they don't last as many years as this one has because like, they didn't, they didn't even have their first separation until you were, what, 16, 17?
0: She's 17 now. And it was relatively, it is a relatively recent event. Like, it hasn't happened that long ago.
1: For the folks at home, mother's continuing to make all of this crap. Daughter is going out, doing crimes, bringing money back, putting it in mum's till. Gets really frustrated until finally it reaches kind of like a breaking point where your mother ends up losing a lot of money that you ended up putting in her till one particular day and then what did you do?
0: I admitted what I was doing out of frustration just trying to realize that get her to realize that she needs to do better.
1: Didn't work out that well did it?
0: Nope it really didn't it backfired real bad.
1: Why then go to your dad? That's the interesting part as well do you still see him as being at this point a bit more competent possibly even some support?
0: Way more approachable as a person because though he was absent he also would. He did show care in his absence, where mother did not.
1: Yeah, fair, fair. Then you guys go and you stay with uh, Talarian's family, which
0: mm-hmm. it's worked really well.
1: <laughs> then you convince Dad to go home, which great, uh, great persuasion check, by the way. He goes home. Mum ends up leaving after it all goes down. De- What were your thoughts on that? Were you expecting that sort of outcome?
0: No, I was hoping that maybe. Maybe at some point in her life she would realize what she's actually doing and would actually take responsibility for her actions and actually try and fix it. But nope, she went the opposite route and was like, all right, you're not giving me what I want, I'm gonna go. Bye.
1: The way I always thought of it is if you're the kind of person who can lie to themselves that convincingly and keep pushing off responsibility on other people, the longer you go, the harder it is to stop doing that. Mm -hmm. Like, for most normal, humble people, there comes a breaking point. But with her, it's it's different. It's like putting energy into a battery and it gets to the point where if you try and interact with the battery, it will explode in your face.
0: Mm. Some people just get so set in their ways that they don't know how to act differently. It's all they've ever done and they can't break that habit. There's there's a point of... They're just not self-aware enough, or just don't give a shit.
1: So mum runs off with another man. Mhm. You meet the other man. Yep. As well as mum comes back to get some of her jewellery, and that was essentially where we started session one, wasn't it?
0: Yep. Yeah. And she was very uninvited, and I told her to get out.
1: So one thing that kind of came in a little bit later on the process was the introduction of a sibling, a brother who, despite being significantly younger than you, he's, what, 12, 13?
0: yes around 12, yeah.
1: He's already out and working on a ship, which makes sense for the sort of vibe, medieval vibe that we're going for.
0: I thought, I think you asked if she had any sibling. And I said, yes. One that as soon as he could get out, got out.
1: And it was after... Sp- pooling on that little idea and pulling on the thread that we figured out all of the Julianne, the Blood Rose. I made a list of NPCs for these guys that they could potentially pick from, like contacts, people who are useful. Solaris, you really identified with our dangerous little vampire
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Why
1: tie her into your brother though? Doesn't that feel a little bit like playing with fire?
0: Well, I mean, let's be honest. When Solaris did this, she she's fiercely protective of her family. Like, even though her dad has been largely absent, as soon as somebody does wrong by her family, you are essentially public enemy number one. And she's that protective that she's willing to put herself in the firing line to keep somebody else safe. So she will, essentially, she would sacrifice herself to make sure that Tanzin stays safe. We,
1: we also had the letter that you wrote for him, which I thought was quite sweet. I'm not sure if that was in a recorded session, though.
0: Oh. No, before times. It was not. It was the one before. I will have to make
1: sure I put that up in the recap once I finally get all my notes together. Mm -hmm. That's it for tonight, folks. Stay safe out there and don't forget your PPE.